So don't cut me off, you little bitch. <laughs> Oh, shit. All right, then play the fucking host and transition us. I thought you had something to say, anything to say. You're just sitting there with your fucking mouth open. God damn, you suck. They'll take care of y'all chicken. You feel me? They'll take care of y'all mental. What the hell's going on out here? This is not me. This is not. Let's go right now. Welcome into the Fantasy Flexicution Podcast. I am your host, Brett Palashati. With me now and forever, my boys, Kyle Settle and Devin Spawn. What is up, fellas? What up, what up, what up? Bucks and four, baby. Bucks and four, yuck. All right, uh, <laughs> let's talk about what matters, right? Fantasy football. So, June first coming up. Are we are we scared, Kyle? Are we excited? Are you ready to put these rumors to bed, or you think it's gonna finally accumulate and Rogers leaving come oh, June first? Okay. I, I assumed you were trying to attack my inner Packers fan. So, absolutely no, not not worried at all. Same stance not I've worried. had for the last two months. It wouldn't make any sense to trade him or anything like i said it's about a 90 percent chance he plays at green bay maybe a 10 percent chance he holds out but zero percent chance he's playing for someone else in 2021 not happening yeah, we just had to get out get it out of the way aaron Rodgers talk to start the show we can move on now correct right devin you're, you're, you're comfortable with this yeah let's move on jordan love might be the next heir apparent apparently according to aaron jones he's looking super that, good of course he is he's the heir apparent of course they drafted him yeah, in the first I mean, he round was, yeah he's in the first round like, he's the heir to slytherin huh. Oh my god. <laughs> You're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? Slither. Devin's trying to hit every fan base he can outside of fantasy football. <laughs> He's going to appeal to the basketball fans and the Harry Potter nerds within the first two minutes. Hey, you're a Harry Potter nerd. I don't want to hear it. I mean, I yeah. watched every movie. That's, I told you guys that, right? Yeah, I yeah, 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 you yeah, stop, yeah. You stopped giving us updates at like episode five, which is when it gets good, and then you stop telling us you, where you were at. Because I just kind of like lost interest no, like i thought i thought i was enjoying it and then it was just kind of like i'm kind of over the whole wizards and and you know spell casting all that stuff you it lost was just like the, the, the theme part, though the, the theme got old because i watched them like back to back to back to back uh, yeah, that's fair Devin and i watched you know them I mean? over a span of what 10 years 15 years yeah that's true yeah so i don't think they're bad movies like if you're into that kind of thing i could totally see why there's like a cult following but like after i forced myself to watch like the first two then I kind of got into it, and then I kind of just faded. Man, the, the fact that you were into it after the first two, which are just like leagues worse than the other ones, means that you would have just loved it if you wouldn't have burned yourself out on it. No, I was Agreed. saying I just got through the first two, and then I started to get into it like okay, three. Okay, okay, got you. And yeah. Four, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, the fair. first two were like nails on the chalkboard, dude. Oh, that yeah, was terrible. They were made yeah. for kids, but Devin and I were kids when they came out. So Yeah, so we, were, we, we love them. We look back at them like, yeah, let's go, but they're not great. <laughs> yeah, they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Harry Potter, <laughs> not that important, I'd say. I think it's time to move on to the news. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Cannonball! Actually, actually, read all about it. Check it out. Newspapers for sale. We have breaking news. Breaking news. I'm toasted. You are fake news. 
and boom goes the dynamite. All right, so Julio, the uh, the newscasters are rumbling. You know, they're saying Julio Jones most likely to land, according to Vegas, to the New England Patriots. Kyle, do you think New England would be a good spot for him? Why and why not? Are you excited? Are you disappointed? What does New England have to offer for Julio? And then what does Julio have to offer for fantasy owners? Well, it, it would be good for Julio as a football player. It would be good for New England as an organization. But as a fantasy owner, you're definitely not hoping for that. It's going to be some sort of transition year. Depend, no one knows how fast that transition is going to be. But when you go from Cam Newton to Mac Jones, I don't expect the offense to be really firing on all cylinders at that point. And I think it's going to be maybe a year or two before Mac Jones really takes over and he's in the flow controlling the offense. But Julio really doesn't have a year or two to wait at this point in his in his uh, career. So if I'm a Julio dynasty owner, I'm definitely not hoping that that's where he ends up. Devin, I'll pose the same question to you. So the, the other common uh, name teams are the Titans. Um, I heard Jets. You guys heard, hear any others? Um, I mean... I, I watch a few podcasts, and uh, this guy that I, I'm, I'm pretty cool with on Twitter, um, Marshall Miller, um, Mello is his name, he's all in on the Ravens trading a first for uh, Julio. And uh, the Ravens make, the Ra- to me, the Ravens and Titans make the most sense for football and fantasy. Like, I know the Ravens are a run-first, run-scheme kind of team, and they zone-stretch with uh, Lamar, but can you imagine, like... Mark Andrews, Julio Jones, and Rashad Bateman, like, holy cannoli. And then A.J. Brown, the opposite is Julio Jones. Like, that's that's just, to me, that's a perfect fantasy thing, and it's a perfect football thing. The, like Kyle said, they're not hoping for Julio on the Pats. Uh, I think it's great for Cam Newton, and it's a great boost, but his numbers are going to be a lot lower projected on those teams, vice the, Pat, uh, vice the Ravens and the Titans. Sorry. You saw the TikTok, right? You saw the TikTok that AJ, AJ Brown, Brown. Yeah, I, I, I messaged you guys about that. Julio! That's what they're going to say when you make a catch. Like, AJ Brown is trying to sell hard for Julio to come to Tennessee. And that, to me, is a, a, a match made in heaven. Besides, honestly, the Packers. I know we just talked about them, but the Packers are, again, are a match made in heaven for a Julio Jones. But Gosh, don't do that. Don't, don't do that. <laughs> I, I try to keep that concealed in the deepest part of my mind and not let myself get too excited. But I, I swear I'm like a an 18-year-old virgin on prom night thinking about that. I just have to control myself. No, you're 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 uh you're totally right. Like he would be perfect in Seattle if we didn't have DK and and Tyler Lockett and Yeah, no you picks. got his 10-year younger clone in DK. Exactly. Like he'd be perfect, but we don't need him anymore. Like Julio in an offense like the Packers or even the Ravens and Titans, it's just it sounds awesome. So you would think one of those three teams are offering a two or higher because they're going to be picking in the late twenties anyway. Why aren't Why aren't you offering a first round pick for 30, for Julio, who's the this generation's best wide receiver, and who I think, as long as he has no plaster fasciitis or anything, he's going to still dominate the league for another two to three years before he either retires or just slowly declines. The rumor well, is that, that there is a one on the table. Go ahead. Sorry, the rumor is that there's a one on the table, and they're just waiting for the post-June 1st, like we talked about last episode. But if it is a one, it's got to be one of those three or four teams that we just talked about, those guys that are picking in the late 20s, early 30s. Yeah, I think the hesitancy comes from the the NFL football side and uh, stuff that fantasy guys like us don't really think about that often. Like, you know, what do the team doctors say about Julio Jones' past injuries? How long do they think he has left? Um, The contract, I mean – 
what did he sign that huge contract left last offseason? Yeah, he's um, got three years left on it. Yeah, in a year where the cap has been uh, a nightmare for almost every team, you want to take on a 32-year-old injured, high-paid wide receiver, taking nothing away from his talent. He's an absolute stud when he's healthy, one of the best receivers in football when he's healthy. But you got to think about in a team-building situation, if you don't think Julio Jones is your missing link, then missing link to contending for a Super Bowl, then you know it might just not be worth a first-round pick. Second-round pick, I think every team in the league would, would have to hard take, take like a solid consideration as to whether they should go for that because the second-round pick – you know, you bust second round picks all the time. Like you burn second round picks left and right. Sure. Um, it's totally worth going for Julio Jones if you're close to contending, even just for your division. We, I mean, we know football is all about who gets hot in December and January. So, um, if you're close to competing for your division, you think Julio Jones can get you over the top? A second round pick, in my opinion, totally worth it. First round pick, that's where it starts to get into. Uh, uh, it starts to get questionable because you know those first round picks, whether you use them to actually pick a player or to make another deal later, that asset is very, very valuable. So there is one team that would absolutely that would absolutely spend a one. They've proven it to us over the last four years when they ship away their first round picks every year. But unfortunately, that team has no need of wide receiver, and I'm talking about the L.A. Rams. They seem to trade their first round for a big name player just about every season over the last few years. You have to think if receiver was a need for them that Julio would absolutely be in the crosshairs. But the way I'm looking at it, there's probably four or five teams that are obvious in contention that would probably be either lateral moves or even upgrades for Julio and Dynasty. So I'm, I'm holding out for one of those teams like uh, the, the LA Chargers, the three or four teams that we talked about with the Green Bay, Baltimore, Tennessee. All those would be instant home runs that you have to be excited about. Anywhere else, who, who knows? It, you really have to just kind of wait and see what happens. But as far as Julio, the player, he's shown no signs of decline outside of the missed games last year, which is really only the second time in his career that he's missed time. So he's really been pretty durable for a guy who seems like he's always banged up a little bit. It really hasn't been the case. He gets 14 games minimum under his belt just about every season when he doesn't play all 16. So I still think he has plenty in the tank to offer a contender. So it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be fun to see where he goes. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think if I think he, you know, the best thing you could hope for as a fantasy manager is he ends up back in Atlanta. Uh, I don't know where he could land where his value would be higher in fantasy than in Atlanta, but that's just me. All right, we're moving on. Jeff Wilson will begin the season on the pup. Are you guys really concerned about Jeff Wilson? I mean, there's about five different backs in that backfield that could end up being the lead back or taking the lion's share of the touches. Was anybody concerned about Jeff Wilson being that guy? No, but now I'm wheels up even more than I was before on Trey Sermon. It's just that much easier for him to break into a lead role. He's only got one one guy to compete with now in Raheem Mostert, but if he can break past him or even if he's playing number two to him, we've seen the number twos in San Francisco have several big games throughout the course of a year to the point that he's a, a bye week replacement, flex play, and then some. So Sermon's going to get his shot, it looks like, if, if Wilson ends up on the pup and he can steal that number two role from the likes of Wayne Gallman, then wheels up. Yeah, Jeff Wilson, who really cares? He was a guy who was going to get four touches, five touches a game. Might flash for like 60 yards because he ran ran for a random 40-yard touchdown. But yeah, I, I, I don't care. It's just about picking the guy in that backfield you like the most and trying to get him out of value. Uh, none of these guys are going to be first, second, or third round picks. No. You just got to find the guy you like, get him at the value that you like. Just won't be Jeff Wilson this year. Yeah, exactly. Let's close out the news with this. Brady versus Rodgers. In golf. I mean, yes. I mean, what's better? What's better? I mean, I loved 
the uh, the battle that they had last year between Brady and Manning. That was yes. that was sick. I loved every second of it. Everyone did. It was the first sporting event that we saw in months, and everyone loved it. And it was the first time that we've seen a lot of these things that really are just kind of normal now. All these COVID precautions that were taking of that were taken of all the interviews that were happening at a at a distance and wearing masks with all the reporters there. You don't have people crammed shoulder to shoulder. It was really weird to see at first, but then we went through an entire calendar year of seeing every sport played like that, and it just became the norm. But everyone loved it when it was happening. It was it was like. Uh, what, five, six years ago when Pokemon Go came out and the entire nation was all just united for one common goal. Everyone was tuned into that golf match. Everybody loved it. So watching the greatest of all time against the greatest talent of all time, I'm looking forward to that. Well, did you just admit Tom Brady's the greatest of all time? He's had the greatest career of all time. We're, we're trying to cut our show time down, so this is not the time to get into that discussion. Uh, a uh, production that being team, said, cut that. That production being said, he that, is, he's a system quarterback. Oh, here we go. Yeah, he just you know won a Super Bowl in two systems. Hey, he's Bruce a dual, he's a dual a system quarterback, huh? He's a dual system quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> all right, it's time to move on to our consensus dynasty wide receiver rankings. So – we went over quarterback. We went over running back. They were pretty chalky. But I know Kyle's fired up. He's ready to argue. Devin's got his one-liners he's going to throw out there. These are going to be some contentious rankings. We got some arguments on multiple guys, especially outside of the top 12. So really looking forward to this. But start at number one as always. Number one. Tyreek Hill. Devin. You have him ranked number one. Me and Kyle have him ranked at two. Why don't you start us off? What do you got on Tyreek Hill? Why is he your top-ranked dynasty wide receiver? Um, Kyle and I. In short, because it's super easy, 27, prime of his career. He's got th- uh, at least four to five more years of prime football because he has the best quarterback of all time, talent-wise, as his quarterback and a fantastic head coach. 368 yards, uh, sorry, 368 catches, fifth, over over 5,000 yards, 47 touchdowns at his career. Uh, I mean, there's not really much to say. Uh, Tyreek Hill is a boom almost every single week in fantasy in the best offense with the best quarterback at a fantastic prime age. The only thing is the guy that we have number two is a little younger. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't really see an argument to put him not one or two in our rankings. Uh, he's got a fantastic quarterback, a fantastic, a fantastic tight end, a fantastic situation. This guy's gonna catch uh, 80 balls for over over 11 to 1200 yards every year, and eight touchdowns every single year for the next four to five years. He doesn't get hurt. He's fantastic. I, I there's really nothing to say outside of his football talent besides the numbers he puts up, and he did it with Alex Smith too. Um, I the, the best situation out of any of these guys, the first 12 is is Tyree Kill, and he's. Not the best receiver in football, but he is in the best situation in football, and that's why he's my dynasty one. Carl, you have anything to add to that? Devin said most of it. He's absolutely in the best situation, and when it comes to the top tier of wide receivers that you see in the dynasty community right now, it's all split in hairs. You got three or four guys here at the top of your ranks that are almost interchangeable, so when that's the case, I take the situation, and that makes sense. Yeah, I love Tyreek Hill. Um, He could easily have been my number one. Uh, for all the reasons you already laid out. So not much of an argument there. After I just got done talking about how we're going to be at each other's throats, we're all, you know, buddy-buddy about Tyreek <laughs> hey, Hill. we're all friends. <laughs> <laughs> all right, moving on to number two. 
Number two. A.J. Brown is my number one ranked dynasty wide receiver. He is Devin's number two and Kyle's number three. So since I'm a little bit higher than you guys, I want to kind of talk about A.J. Brown, why he's my number one guy. First of all, he's 23 years old. So obviously he has the youth on his side. That's usually just a good tiebreaker when you're talking about guys this elite. He's also a do-it-all wide receiver. He's He came into the league as a great prospect, but a lot of people were concerned going to the run-first offense that he was going into in Tennessee with Derrick Henry being the star to worry about and everyone else kind of playing second fiddle to him. But A.J. Brown had Arthur Smith, when he was drafted, realize that this kid is not just worth the second-round pick that they spent on him, but he is a top-flight wide receiver from day one. I mean, you look at his game logs from 2019, it's just, it's insane what he did as a rookie, not to mention his touchdown totals. He had nine touchdowns as a rookie. And I think that's the thing that you can really look at A.J. Brown and think he's going to be an outlier in that sense of the game. He's going to be a touchdown scorer throughout his career. He had nine his rookie year. He had 11 his sophomore year while missing two games. And if you look at his uh, the breakdown of his games this past year, coming off a week one injury, Every game that he had at least eight targets, listen to this, right? Nine targets, seven catches, 82 yards and a touchdown. Eight targets, six catches, 153 yards and a touchdown. Nine catches, or nine targets, four touchdowns, 101 yards and a touchdown. And it goes on from there, scoring multiple touchdowns in games where he's targeted, or scoring one or more touchdowns in games where he's targeted eight or more times. The reason I bring up that eight number is because he had competition for targets last year with Corey Davis. Say what you will about um Corey Davis, if he was worth that first-round pick. But he was there, and he was taking targets away from A.J. Brown. He's gone, and they brought in Josh Reynolds. I'm not big on Josh Reynolds. Whether you are or not, he's not going to take targets away from A.J. Brown. I think he's going to lead his team in targets more than he did last year, and he's probably going to see a career high in targets. And if he does, I think you're looking at easily double-digit touchdowns, multiple 100-yard receiving games. So in 2021, you have a great asset. And you have to look at he's only 23. He's got a really good quarterback throwing him the ball right now. I mean, who would have thought that I'd say Tannehill was a really good quarterback two years yeah, ago? Right. But we got to look at the here and now and what we can project for three years. And I think A.J. Brown has the brightest projection of any wide receiver in the league. That's why he's my number one dynasty wide receiver. You brought up that the competition for touches has gone down, and you didn't even bring up his main competition for touches, and that's Johnny Smith. He's also out the door. So – the fact that you have him number one isn't really surprising to me. Again, he's in that sort of top tier for us. You just, I think if we're doing these rankings a year from now, he's probably all of our number ones. If everything continues at this pace, you were just the first one to pull the trigger and say, yep, this guy's my surefire number one. And you put him above uh, the guys like who we're about to talk about and then Tyreek Hill. So I don't think it's bad. You're the first one to pull the trigger. And like I said, a year from now, I think all of us are probably going to have him at this spot or maybe right there. Uh, yeah, another quick stat. He's one of nine wide receivers in NFL history with 2,000 yards and 18-plus touchdowns in his first two seasons. Um, even a guy, his teammate in college and his draft mate, uh, DK Metcalf, who is also as fantastic as A.J., doesn't have those numbers. And we're that high in A.J. Brown as a talent. Like, uh, Yeah, he's probably next year. Is He's going to be everyone's number one. He's uh, He's incredible. All right, so we're moving on to our number three. Number three. Dynasty wide receiver, and that is Devontae Adams. Kyle, you have him at one. Devin has him at four, and I have him at three. Kyle, why do you have Devontae Adams as your number one dynasty wide receiver? Because I can see through the smoke screen that the rest of the fan the 
fantasy community, I guess, has just been eating into the last couple months of all this Aaron Rodgers news. And also, as the avid Packer fan, I've watched this guy as much as anybody, and I know that he's got the skill set that's going to translate to any quarterback in any situation, no matter what he's in. So the reason that he's not the consensus number one, and I think he would be, is because of all the Rodgers stuff. But let me let me paint a little picture to you. Let's say that all this stuff is real and Rodgers is gone. He never plays another snap for Green Bay. Devontae's going into a contract year, so he's going to ball out. There, there is no uh, understating the drop-off in talent after him in the receiving game. Everyone sort of has their roles, but there's no one else who's going to gobble up 100-plus targets in, in the Green Bay receiving game. So, Devontae is going to get his chance in a contract year to really show everything that he's got. He's going to go somewhere, probably to a just as beneficial situation next year, where he can go be the one somewhere else. He'll have his choice of just about any team in the league. So, I, the reason that guys like Jerry Rice were so great and yes I'm comparing Devontae Adams to Jerry Rice maybe not at the same level but the same sort of <laughs> game uh, style it's it's not far off. They, they are so stylistically they have such good technique that it translates past the point of their bodies breaking down these receivers who come in and they're just out physically in everybody I, did I just create a word physically they're just out physically in everyone their bodies start to fall apart and they don't know how to win anymore. But these guys like Devontae who tone their craft and they've got it down to an art, they can play well beyond the age 30 where you start to see the body start to go in the NFL and you, suddenly you're not the best athlete on the field anymore because your technique is so advanced and it's just so good that you can still win even when your physicality isn't at the level it is when you're 22, 23 years old. So I think being 28, he's still got a handful of years left in the tank and trying to foresee anything more than three, four years away in fantasy football is kind of a fool's errand. I, I don't think there's any reason to think 31-year-old Devontae Adams isn't still going to be in a WR1 in the WR1 discussions in fantasy football. Yeah, uh, in short, you're 100% right. To me, right now, there's no better receiver in, in the NFL than Devontae Adams. Uh, he's only my uh, fourth dynasty ranked receiver. It's because of age, quote unquote. But uh, he's an absolute animal with uh, the second best quarterback in football, assuming Rodgers is there with a fantastic offense. Uh, yeah, um, you could pick Devonte right now if you're trying to win, and you're fine. Dude's incredible. He literally puts up video game numbers, numbers you put up in Madden. He does in real life. It's disgusting. So, Kyle, I have a question for you. He's your number one, right? And this yeah. might sound dumb to ask you, but would you draft him? Say you had a draft today, a dynasty startup. Would you draft him as the number one overall wide receiver with with all the things going on, or do you think the risk is not worth taking him that high when you have other guys like AJ Brown, Tyreek Kill, DK Metcalf, those type of guys to draft around him? Do you think yeah, the yeah. risk reward is there? So. I'm going to take uh, the easy way out of this one. I would have him ranked as my number one receiver, but I would not draft him first. Looking at the landscape of the fantasy football community right now, we, we had to extend this segment to three shows to talk about all the wide receivers that there are available. And so I'm not going to burn one of my first picks on a receiver when I'm loving the value that I'm getting, whether it's dynasty or draft or redraft in the middle to late rounds. There's so many wide receivers that have at least a high end WR2 ceiling. Now, obviously, they're not all going to achieve it, but there's just so many good receivers out there that no matter what kind of draft I'm in, dynasty, redraft, best ball, whatever, I'm perfectly okay with punting on wide receiver for the first few rounds. Maybe take one guy if I can't pass up the value. So long story short, yes, I'd have him ranked first. Yes, if I'm drafting in order, he'd be the first receiver I would take. But in an actual draft, it wouldn't work out that way just because that's not how I would be playing the board. 
That's true. That's interesting because I, I think depending on how your roster shakes out or how you're you're planning to draft your roster, maybe you take Devontae Adams first, even though you have other guys ranked ahead of him, like me and Devin, because we think that his year one and two projection for this new startup league is higher or better than some of these other wide receivers. So don't take the rankings as gospel, you know, their guidance. And uh, I totally understand why you have him ranked at number one. And I'm not too far off having him at number three. All right, so let's move on to number four. Number four. That is DK Metcalf. He is Devin's number three ranked wide receiver. My fifth, Kyle's sixth. This is the biggest disparity we've had so far, although not that different. Devin, why do you have him ranked at number three? Uh, DeKalen Metcalf. It's no surprise if you've listened to other episodes. DeKalen is his <laughs> real first name, so that's why he's called Bless by you. DK. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, it's no surprise that I'm the Seahawks fan here in this podcast, but why is he my three? He's the same age as A.J. Brown. They're college teammates, like I just said. Uh, he has an elite QB, the third best quarterback in football, I think. And I think if you talk to most people in, that know anything about the NFL, Russell's in your top five for quarterbacks currently. Uh, he is an elite jump ball receiver. He has elite speed. He has elite size. He just needs to learn how to use that size like a bruiser vice, him using his speed to get around guys. Uh, he just gets better and better, man. I know his route running was a big knock coming into the NFL, but he had just under 1,000 yards his rookie year. And this next year, you can look at the Seahawks and go, oh, uh, DK Metcalf didn't do anything in the second half of the year. It wasn't a DK Metcalf problem. It was a Brian Schottenheyer problem. Uh, we got out schemed wrong every single year after ever sorry every single game after the Bills game. It's it how can you say wrong if you don't watch Seahawks football that we got out schemed? You you double team DK Metcalf, you put a linebacker on Lockett and double team him with a safety over the top. DK wasn't effective because of our scheme. It's not a DK problem. It was our scheme problem. You had a new scheme in with um the the OC, the OC coming over from the Rams, and Shane Waldron, I Walt Waldron, I man, I can't say his last name. It's the same with <laughs> it's bad, but you had a new scheme in. Steve, Steve Wimbledon. Yeah. <laughs> yes, advantage Erickson. Right. <laughs> Steve Wimbledon. <laughs> exactly. DK Metcalf's projection to just get better every single year. Next year, he should be your dynasty receiver too, if not one, because the numbers are going to be, again, ridiculous. I'm projecting DK to have 80 catches, 1,500 yards, 10 touchdowns. And it's going to be that every single year, as long as Russell Wilson is the quarterback of the Seahawks. His route tree is getting better every year. The offense is going to get better because our scheme's better. He's... His potential, he could be the next... This generation's Julio Jones when it comes to, like... Oh, DK Metcalf is that dude? That that's what he can be. It's just he has to just you know fully tap into it and just continue to work on his craft. So, Devin, I didn't say you were wrong. As if it was all, it was a DK problem. That's not what I was trying to say. I'm trying to say it was not a Schottenheimer problem. He's playing the scapegoat, I think, in this whole thing. Russell Wilson is almost the golden boy to the fact that he was just untouchable and everyone just excused his play down the stretch last year. And he's not infallible. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. I'd be the first one to tell you I think he's one of the most talented absolutely on the field at any given time. He's got the best deep ball touch pass that I've ever seen. 
man's crazy talented, but he didn't play well in the second half last year. And it wasn't just him. The O-line was obviously trash. And like you said, you shut out those two boundary receivers and you kind of shut down the whole offense because running game really wasn't there either. But I think Schottenheimer was sort of forced into the God amongst men of Pete Carroll in Seattle of trying to run Carroll's offense of the run first those to the grindstone offense and it just didn't work as well and no one was executing in the second half of the season but Metcalf I think is crazy talented I I do have him a tear down from the first few guys that we talked about and it's just because I'd like to see a little bit more consistency in him on a week-to-week basis which obviously once he starts doing that he's going to be everyone's number one number two number three like Devin said he's going to be up there for everybody probably a year from now if he does show out but until I see the consistency, I can't really put someone in that top tier when they have several games under 50 yards the season before. So you can blame Schottenheimer, you can blame Russ, you can blame the O-line, you can blame DK himself, it doesn't matter. The greatest of the greatest are able to overcome all that. And you can't be in that tier until you do, if that makes sense. And just one closing note that I'll say, how the hell did 2008 Ole Miss go 5-7 and seven with A.J. Brown and D.K. Metcalf as their receivers? That, that's a joke. Oh, yeah. I don't know who was running that program, but they should be released immediately. I know. Uh, and, D- hey, don't forget Dawson Knox, okay? Dawson Knox, oh tight gosh. end. D.K. Shoddy would turn this show where we talk about wide receivers into a <laughs> Dawson Knox special. D.K. had the next neck injury where he missed uh, the whole season. So that's kind of why that, that last year – they uh, didn't win as many games, but like, come on, dude. You have AJ Brown. I don't know how many games he played, but he had 26 catches and over 500 yards, so he, he got some game in in there. Oh, I don't know how did. many games that was, but but it doesn't matter. When you have that group, you gotta be doing better than five and seven in college oh, football. Oh yeah, we're talking about two top ten receivers. We all have them ranked in the top six overall. <laughs> you gotta do better than that. You gotta be competing for the SEC more title. Like, Matt what are you Luke? doing? I'm talking to you, Matt. Hey, Luke. Little boy, Mr. Generic. <laughs> name. Little boy. Look at two first names. Oh. The hell out of here, dude. Loser, L7 weenie. You guys said it all about DK Metcalf. All I want to say is that I was so wrong about this guy. So the the problem that I saw when he was coming in was a limited route tree, limited flexibility, inability to go in and out of breaks. And the Seahawks said, yeah, but we're not going to use him that way, and he's still going to be an animal. And that's like – that's just good coaching. You know what I mean? Like you don't expect – a player to overcome limitations like that without good coaching. And, you know, I just didn't have the faith. He proved me wrong. He still doesn't run a complete route tree. He's still fairly limited, but the route tree he runs is very, um, it's very friendly to fantasy points. Okay. He runs the slants. He runs the deep outs. He runs your, uh, your post corners, things like that. And he's good at it. I mean, there's no getting around it. He's, he's ranked number four for a reason for us. So here we go. Let's move on to number five. Number five. Justin Jefferson. Devin, once again, you're higher than me and Kyle, but only slightly this time. You have Justin Jefferson at five. I have him at six, and Kyle has him at seven. So what are you seeing in Justin Jefferson that makes you think he's already worth a top five wide receiver spot? I see him as the young Odell Beckham Jr. when Odell Beckham came onto the scene in the NFL. Missed a few games because of a hamstring. Came in and just lit lit up the NFL that rest of the year, and then next year lit up the NFL. That's Justin Jefferson. He really came on super slow on the Vikings offense. Didn't really have a breakout game until, I think, I think week three or week four. You're like, okay, where is this Jefferson? Je- where, where is this Justin Jefferson guy? He benefit. He uh, helped Thielen benefit so much from that. Thielen had a career high in touchdowns last year. 
Um, sure, they got rid of Kyrie Er Some people say, oh, Irv Smith is his next guy up. But to me, Justin Jefferson is that elite level talent, the next big thing in the NFL. He's with your A.J. Browns and your D.K. Metcalfs. He is that dude. Um, I have a, some, few, some few random stats I got here. Um, he, um, over the next, let's see, let's, uh, the first few weeks of the season, he averaged six catches and 72 yards in his first two games, like, just combined. And then the next 14 games, over the, the next 14 weeks over the NFL season, averaged six catches and 94 yard, 95 yards per week. Like, that's kind of that's kind of that's kind of really good for a team that's run first that has Kirk Cousins as your quarterback. That's the only like quote unquote downfall is they have Kirk. To me, Kirk's just a straight game manager. But the ceiling for Justin Jefferson is oh, I'm, I'm trying to keep, try to think of an NFL comparison, and I won't even think of one because my brain isn't working properly. But the ceiling for him is the best receiver in football, like Tyreek Hill level numbers, like. 100 like uh, 800 targets, 85 catches, well over 1500 yards and 10 touchdowns every year because this this guy has it and it's like his his biggest knock coming into the NFL was can he beat one-on-one coverage and this guy excels in killing people in one-on-one. You have to put somebody over the top for this guy. And since he's right now benefiting from still having a pretty good Adam Thielen on the other side of him, his numbers for the next handful of seasons should just be disgusting. Next year, our first three receivers should be A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Justin Jefferson, in whatever order you want to put them in. These guys are the future of the NFL at wide receiver. Look, I'll say this about Justin Jefferson. I, I'm expecting some regression. Um, not enough for me to knock him out of my you know top six dynasty wide receivers. But I think something that's a, a feather in his cap is when you look at the individual uh, metrics that are more based around his play than his situation or, or maybe just a, a banner year that some people think – is a uh, is a once off. I mean, look at his target separation. He averaged. This is from PlayerProfile.com. He averaged 1.8 yards of separation per route, which is 33rd in the NFL as a rookie. That, that's just that blows my mind. I mean, that whole LSU offense was was bananas, and I didn't think uh, anybody would be able to ride that wave coming into the NFL. 100%. And then you look at you look at Joe Burrow performing fairly well his rookie year i think everybody thinks he has a bright future justin jefferson breaks records as a rookie i mean nobody's yeah, going to complain if you take him this high uh in a dynasty startup because of how young and how efficient and how productive he was in college and as a rookie and has the whole production profile and athletic profile to match coming into the league so i, I think it's hard to poke holes in his game uh, i think it's easy to say he's going to regress because it's easy just to say that because no one's going to think back, you know, 12 months from now and say, yep, you did say he was going to regress, but he didn't. Nobody really cares. Even if he regresses slightly, all it takes is Minnesota making a quarterback change. And I still think he's going to have Here the target volume to this. succeed. <laughs> Stop. He's Get gonna... that out of your head. It's what are you talking about? Kirk Cousins is the quarterback for the Vikings until that. No, I, I'm done. saying I'm saying what could negatively affect him is if there's a quarterback change, okay, but, like an injury or something like yeah, that. Yeah, okay. but I all, okay. but I also think he's individually talented enough to still gain that separation, and still demand those targets. So maybe he he's not as efficient with the worst quarterback, but I still think he'll have the volume to produce as a wide receiver one in fantasy. So don't cut me off, you little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> 
shit. All right, then play the fucking host and transition us. I thought you had something to say, anything to say. You're just sitting there with your fucking mouth open. God damn, you suck. All right, moving on to our number six. Number six. Dynasty wide receiver, and that is DeAndre Hopkins. Kyle has him at number four. Me and Devin have him both at number seven. So, Kyle, why is DeAndre Hopkins still worth a top four wide receiver spot in Dynasty? Because he hasn't given us any sign that he's not. He's been amazing. He's been a top six wide receiver just about every year since year number two when he came in the league. He's had all of two years, his entire career, where he's failed to break 1,000 yards. As a rookie, he put up 800 yards. And then in 2016, when he lost his quarterback for two-thirds of the season, he put up 954. Every other year, it's an 1,100-yard, six-touchdown floor from him. Get, guy's amazing. Look at him on a talent level, and he's right there in the same echelon as the Devontae Adams and the Tyreek Hill. So I don't know why he goes at such a discount right now. I remember three, four years ago before uh, one of the early narratives in fantasy football was when a receiver switches teams, stay away because they never just they never translate in that first year in a new system. Nuke went to a new system, caught 115 passes for 1,400 yards and six touchdowns. The guy's amazing. He's one of the most, I wouldn't argue with you if you said he's the most talented wide receiver in the league. He's outstanding, 28 years old, and I guess that's what's scaring people off, but it's sort of the same thing I had to say about Devontae is, he, he, this guy does everything. He, he's not the most uh, impressive physical specimen on the field. He can win with technique and with his hands and with his route running. And he can also have physical use. So the guy does everything well. He does everything not just well, but at an elite level. I, I don't see any reason to discount him any further than where I have him, which is WR4. He's amazing. And until he gives me a reason to think that he's not, he's going to stay up there in my high-end WR1 rankings. Devin, do you think he's off there? What do you have to say about DeAndre Hopkins having him a few spots lower than uh, number four? Uh, I have him lower for uh, only reasons is that Cardinals team is overrated and Cliff Kingsbury sucks and Kyler Murray sucks. But that does, still doesn't take away from everything Kyle said about how good DeAndre Hopkins is and was last year. Um, the age doesn't scare me. I just have Jefferson and DK ahead and A.J. Brown ahead because of the age and the fact that these guys are going to be absolutely studs when they are DeAndre Hopkins' age. They're going to be putting up numbers that are DeAndre Hopkins or better for the next 10 years. So that's why I pick them before I pick DeAndre. But DeAndre still commands a top six pick, where we have him consensus six. He commands the top six dynasty pick. Um, I'm not really going to argue... Either way, if you pick DeAndre over Justin Jefferson, DK Metcalf, you're just somebody you trust more right now and for the next five to six seasons. So I get what Kyle's saying. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with what you guys are saying. I mean, he he will be 29 this year. Um, I don't think that's going to be a problem. Uh, if you take him at four, I think you're missing out on some longevity, as Devin pointed out. But, but really, like. No one's going to complain. I don't think you should be worried about overdrafting DeAndre Hopkins. He's he's good enough. He deserves that uh, that draft capital. And if he's your guy, go get him. I mean, Kyle hasn't ranked at number four. I don't think he's off base. All right. Let's move on to number seven. Number seven. That's Stefan Diggs. I have him ranked at number four. Devin has him at six. And Kyle must not be wearing his CPAP right. He's getting no oxygen to his brain because he has him ranked <laughs> at number 11. That's pretty good. I'm not that even going to rebuttal. That, that was, was a good. good. One. 
And let me talk about why he's my number four receiver. So Stephon Diggs, right? You were talking about DeAndre Hopkins, how when, when he went from one team to another, everybody's worried about, you know, that typical narrative, don't draft that wide receiver. He's due for a down year, right? Stephon Diggs switched teams last year. And uh, all he did was lead the entire NFL in targets, receptions, and yards. Stephon Diggs has been underrated as a player in the NFL since he came in. I mean, he was a fourth-round pick, went to Minnesota, and played on the outside at an, as an undersized wide receiver. Fifth-round pick. And he's been incredible. And then he goes to Buffalo, and I don't think it's – I think it's understated how much credit uh, he should get for the jump – that Josh Allen made. He doesn't make that jump without Stephon Diggs. He relied on Stephon Diggs a lot, and I'm not taking anything away from Josh Allen and what he accomplished, but you can't say that he'll do, he would have done that without Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is a, is a beast. I don't think there's much competition for targets there. He's 27 years old, still in the prime of his career, and I don't think there's a reason why uh, you can expect him to be out of the top five in targets next year or the year after that. And uh, he makes yards on his own. He has target separation. He has some drops, but nothing to be worried about. I mean, his drop rate is only 3.6%, but I heard that some people brought that up as a, as a possible negative for him. I don't buy it. Um, I think he's a stud, and I think having him ranked at number four um, is the perfect spot, if not a little bit low. So whatever you guys think, let me hear it. I know, uh, Kyle, let, let's hear you, you first because you have him at 11, so you're way farther behind him than I am. Yeah, there, there's a – there's a couple things that play into my low ranking. One is that, like I talked about on the quarterback show, I do expect a step back from Josh Allen last year, or this upcoming year, rather. Last year was a career year for both of them. So it's just one of those areas where I'm okay being wrong if I'm wrong. So if I have him at number 11 and I take one of these other 10 guys I have ranked ahead of him and he hits, okay, I'm willing to take that L. But I don't want to buy into something that may or may not be real. If these guys both and this entire Bills team sort of just comes back down to earth next year and it turns out they were just playing way above their talent level last year, I don't want to be the the one caught at the table with the check. So being that it was such an outlier year for Josh Allen, and it was really an incredibly outlying year for Stephon Diggs, he's only once in his career back in 2018 put up numbers that were anywhere close to what he just put up in Buffalo because his numbers were really pretty pedestrian when you talk about uh, number one wide receiver status for his what five six years in Minnesota they, they weren't bad but they were nothing that you look at and say oh this is a guy I got to get as my WR1 so I think everything that you're saying could be true about him coming forward uh, and leading the NFL and in targets again, having another outstanding season in Buffalo. They ride their way to 13 and 4, 14 and 3. Gosh, that still sounds ridiculous. And I'm just completely wrong about this. But the other guys that I have ranked ahead of him, I feel much more confident in. I feel much more safe in. I think there's at least a chance that what we saw from Diggs and from Allen this last year was an outlier and they don't replicate it again. Devin, please don't tell me you agree with this guy. Oh, no. You and me say pretty, seem pretty eye to eye on Diggs. I know it's 4 and 6, but. Uh... I think Josh Allen is an elite talent in the NFL, and I think last year is finally what we saw in what Josh Allen can bring at the quarterback position, especially in that offense. And he finally got the number one he deserves in Stephon Diggs. I always thought Diggs was more talented than Am Thielen, and finally, as a one-man show, quote-unquote, he got to show it. And uh, I think Diggs is worth every pick at what where he goes early in the rounds, uh, whether it's four, five, six, three, whatever. Stefan Diggs is a stud in a stud offense and a team that's going to compete for a Super Bowl. His upside is ginormously high, 
and um, the numbers he put up should be able to get continue, continue to get replicated because of just the team he's on. I love I love Diggs, and I think finally last year we finally got to see like okay Diggs by yourself with Josh Allen who's looked bad his whole career so far. What do you got? And you're like oh, you are as good as advertised, and if not better. So I I like Diggs quite a bit. Good, you're on the right side of history here, Devin. All right, let's move on to number eight. Number eight. Kyle and Devin, you guys both have CeeDee Lamb ranked at number nine. I have him ranked at number eight, coming in at number eight in our consensus rankings. So I'm slightly higher on you guys. I think it's negligible, the difference between our rankings. But all I want to say about CeeDee Lamb is that I think he – what he did as a rookie was was overshadowed by Justin Jefferson, and rightfully so. I mean, Justin Jefferson yeah. went bananas. Um, but you can't take anything away from, from C. Lamb. He had almost just under a thousand yards. Uh, I think he had six touchdowns as a rookie. Um, he came in with a high caliber athletic profile, production profile coming out of Oklahoma, and I think he proved most people right. I think what he did right run routes be a great contested catch player, uh, have fantastic hands as the second fiddle to Amari Cooper in Dallas was great. And I, I honestly don't think uh, people are giving up, giving him enough credit as to his potential to take over the number one from Amari Cooper sooner rather than later. Uh, not only that, he did had a lot of this production when Dak Prescott was hurt. I mean, you look at what he did when Dak Prescott was still around, 59 yards, 106 yards, 65 yards, 79 yards, two touchdowns. I mean, they weren't against the best uh, passing defenses, but that's a rookie coming to the NFL, his first NFL action, and it's like he's been in the league for years. And as a 22-year-old, I think he's a great investment in Dynasty, totally worth the eighth overall uh, wide receiver pick. And Kyle, I'm sure you're happy to hear that with him on your Dynasty team. What do you got to say about CeeDee Lamb? Yeah, I think you have to be encouraged with what you saw last year. He really presented, I think, a high floor as a uh, wide receiver uh, fantasy play. He really only had two games where he just really sunk you and really murdered your week. So unless he's playing the Washington football team, I don't think you have to be discouraged. And that, that was a hell of a defense last year. So with all the adversity that Dallas went through as a football team, with the O-line injuries and obviously losing Dak for two-thirds of the season, and then all the adversity that all of the rookies went through with COVID and all how that affected their offseason and how limited everything was building up to the season. And he came in, and like you said, Shadi, he just instantly – impacted the game you could tell that this kid has a high ceiling but I think his floor is what's so intriguing to me if he's going to be getting those slot targets and he works his way up the depth chart into two receiver sets last year it was more Cooper and Gallup but I think you're going to see more CD Lamb in those two receiver sets going into next season which pushes his ceiling even higher I don't think his ceiling was really huge last year just because of everything that was going on that's why he didn't have the blow-up games like the Justin Jefferson's had to really put him in that WR1 for that draft class conversation but I think this year is going to be a big improvement which is hard to do because he already had such a good rookie season 935 yards as a rookie wide receiver is nothing to scoff at that was that's a hell of a year and I look for him to build on that moving forward all right let's move on number nine Number nine is Michael Thomas. He's at number nine, courtesy of Kyle having him at number five in his own rankings, number 13 in Devin's, and number 12 in my rankings. So, Kyle, you are substantially ahead of us on Michael Thomas. Why? Well, I think it's the fact that I'm older than both of you, so I just feel for these elder statesmen wide receivers. I consistently have them ranked higher than the two of you. 
y'all are just so eager to get on to the next wave of the NFL and get the next big thing that you're ignoring what's right in front of you. I, I think there's a really bad taste in the mouths of anyone who owned Michael Thomas last year, and oh, rightfully Jesus. so. He didn't score a touchdown through seven games, and that is kind of a big deal, but he wasn't healthy. You're going to look at the game log where or the season stats where it says he played seven, seven games and he just wasn't healthy. He, he was trying to get himself out there, but he got injured after one week. He was trying to get himself out there for Drew Brees' final season. Everyone knew going into the season, I think, in that locker room that it was going to be the last run for Drew Brees, and Thomas wants to be a part of it. And so he forced himself back out there on the field, and he's playing at who knows what percentage. But he's, he's had such a good career that I think we're almost taking it for granted that he can just not bounce back to where he was before. Where does Michael Thomas make his money? Through route running and short area targets. So there's no reason to think that that's not a skill that he can maintain into his early and mid-30s. And he's only 28, but we look at him like he's on the tail end of his career and any any season's going to be his last one. I, I give you any concerns that you have about the quarterback room, but he did this with Teddy Bridgewater a couple years ago. He was still a WR1, even, even with old Teddy Two Gloves tossing him the football eight yards down the field, okay? So he's shown that he can do it with just about any quarterback. Last year, like I said, I'm chalking it up to injury. I'm not taking that one to heart if I'm a Michael Thomas owner. I think he's definitely the receiver we saw from the last four or five years of his career where he's posting over 1,000 yards every season on 100 or more catches. That's the guy he is. Don't don't get it twisted. He's not the guy. He's not the shell of himself that you saw on the field last year. He's still a high-end WR1 or at least a mid-range WR1, and I'm treating him as such. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you that he – He's a fantastic wide receiver, and his age shouldn't matter as much as uh, as it seemed to be in the eyes of many fantasy analysts. I initially, when I built my rankings, had him outside of wide receiver one territory, and that was the first thing that jumped out at me when when reviewing the initial ranking of these players. I was just, I was like, no, I can't have Michael Thomas outside of the top twelve. I mean, you saw what he did in 2019, and it was phenomenal. And you can say Drew Brees was in much better shape at that point than he was in 2020. But I, I don't think that we can look at just the quarterback change and think that he's a big drop-off or an immediate drop-off. I think that what he can do on his own, similar to what I said about Justin Jefferson, is enough to keep him in wide receiver one territory in Dynasty and especially in redraft because um, you don't have a lot of these younger receivers uh, enticing you with their with their uh, multiple-year projection. But... That being said, I mean, number five, I think it's rich, to say the least, when you have him well ahead of guys like Stephon Diggs, uh, DK Metcalf, Justin Jefferson. I just, I, I get it because he is that talented, but I think you're trying to be cute by, you know, being so different from most other people's rankings. Devin, what do you got? Uh, in short. Yeah, call me cute and not even give me a chance to rebuttal. Uh, well, I have something really well, short. I, knew you were I think you're being cute with that terrible ranking. Let's go to Devin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, all just... right, all you, I mean, you've talked for like 20 minutes now in the past two receivers. I was trying to give somebody else a, a thought, you know? Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Mine, I mean, mine's going to be really short. I'd just rather have everybody else I ranked in front of them uh, before I pick Michael Thomas. Do I think he's pretty good? Yeah. Do I think he's overrated? Yes. Uh, I, the offense is going to stink next year, I think. the That's why I'm so low on Elvin Kamara. I just, I don't think Michael Thomas is as elite as Kyle thinks he is. Uh, but I do think he is deserving of a top 
13 spot because I have him at 13. <laughs> so are, um, are we ranking him as an NFL wide receiver, how talented he is, or how good is he for fantasy? Because I agree with you with the he, – he's not an elite wide receiver. He's not that tier one guy in the NFL when it comes to talent, but – he murders PPR leagues. If you get any sort of points for catching a pass, he should be near the top of your rankings because he does it so consistently every single year. Well, yeah, but he's going to have probably Jameis Wilson feeding him the ball. Okay, I get that, but I'd rather have Calvin Ridley, Jamar Chase, DJ Moore, Terry McCollar, Michael Thomas. I'd rather have every other receiver we've talked about so far before I've had Michael Thomas. To me, it's not even a question. Like, Especially age given given a factor for dynasty, yeah. Give me every everybody we talked about before I before Michael Thomas. That's why I traded him this off season. I'm not high on him. Twenty eight, weird offense. Give me give me some randoms. Give me give me Trevor Lawrence because that's who I got out of him for it. But it just that, I mean yeah. Not Jameis Winston supported two. Not I'm not I'm not ones and Yeah, I I get it. I'm just not I'm not fucking <laughs> with it. I'm just not fucking with the vibe. All right, dude. I mean. If you have him ranked at number five, he's going to be the first wide receiver you have on your team in Dynasty. Like, there's no way you're getting another receiver before you draft Michael Thomas. Like I said, I'm not drafting him there. It's just not my – that's not the way I would be attacking draft boards given the NFL and the way it lays out right now. I wouldn't be drafting him in the first round because I'm punting on these guys unless they're a huge value. Would you draft him in the second round? Yeah, probably. Absolutely. If he's the highest-ranked guy that I had of all these receivers, so – Devontae's off the board, Tyreek's off the board, AJ's off the board, and Nuke's off the board. And I'm somewhere in mid-round two, late round two, which means I just got a stud running back in the first round, and now I get to pair him with Michael Thomas? Absolutely. Yeah, sounds like you just lost I think. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a big mistake because you have no idea what it's going to look like if Taysom Hill is the quarterback. Could you imagine in, if he was in New Orleans? Though? He, he like, shouldn't. Is Taysom Hill really no, a fallout from Teddy Bridgewater? Yes, 100%. A percent, like, Teddy Bridgewater's terrible. Like, let's, no, be, let's be hold honest on, here. Teddy Bridgewater's somewhere around the 30th Bro, best quarterback in the league. You guys Teddy Bridgewater off when I told you that he hey, sucked. Four years yeah. ago, we <laughs> said he had potential. Four years ago, <laughs> okay. I said he had potential. I stand by that. Yeah, That's I'm about with Kyle on that. I think he's a very average quarterback. He helps He'll keep the Broncos afloat. All year, if, assuming he's a quarterback, he's just going to be chilling. They'll go nine and eight. And We're talking about out. can he beat out Drew Locke right now? Yeah, that's he's going to throw six yard passes the entire game. I mean, it, I'm, I'm not about it. Who who is playing opposite of him that that teams are going to have to worry about if guys like Taysom Hill, Traquan Smith, are that's been true for six years. Traquan Smith, yeah, but you had the most accurate passer in the league thrown on the ball. Sure. Okay, but then you throw one of these other two guys in here. I mean, is his route tree going to? Drastically changed. Yeah, I saw Jameis do it with Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin plays the same style of game as Michael Thomas, and I saw him be the wide receiver 10 with Jameis. Chris Godwin's. They're, they're both slot guys oh. who love the short area to medium Chris, area targets. Chris Godwin's an elite, has an elite route tree with elite route running abilities, elite catching ability. Chris Godwin is is a lot smaller than Michael Thomas. Michael yeah, but he, Thomas is a big dude runs, with slot. Chris he runs receiver. more downfield routes. He's a better receiver than Michael Thomas. It's, that's part of. I think that's part of the Peyton offense. I don't think Michael Thomas is just limited and all he can do is run ins and curls. All right, I think he's a talented wide receiver. I think he's much more valuable in fantasy than he is in the NFL, and I'll give you that. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm all, all right, right with that assessment. Okay. You got me, Kyle. <laughs> Don't give him credit. Come he, on. he got me. That was a pretty good assessment. I'll give him. <laughs> all right. We're moving on to the next wide receiver, and that's our number 10 guy. Number 10. Terry McLaurin. Kyle, you're highest on him at 8. Devin, you have him at 11, and I have him at 13, which is kind of funny because he's on my – dynasty team and i drafted him uh in a rookie draft a few years ago and i'm the, the lowest on him and i think it's because 
I think there's a big bump in his value, uh, at least in perception, based off of Ryan Fitzpatrick coming into town. But I think the bump of having Ryan Fitzpatrick is kind of offset by the amount of talent that was brought in to compete with him for targets. If Antonio Gibson gets more of a uh, robust role, in 2021, I think he's taken some targets. Curtis Samuel, I think, is a great number two wide receiver. He's taken targets away. They drafted De'Ami Brown. I love him. Uh, he's a good downfield target. Uh, I know Terry's more of your intermediate target guy. He's your uh, he's a great possession receiver. He's still going to get a lot of targets. I mean, I still have him at 13, so I'm not totally out on him. But I think his value's just inflated because of a hyped offseason for Washington, which is crazy to say because nobody's ever excited about Washington. But this year, it seems to be that everybody wants to be the first to say Washington is good. And, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, although he's super fun to watch and he has been good for for fantasy receivers in the past, do we – I mean, what are the chances that he comes in and he's just not good anymore? He's older. What are the chances that he he has a few bad games in a row and a team with a fantastic defense wants to make a move at quarterback, put somebody else in? Like, I can't remember the kid that had an okay playoff game against the Bucs. Uh, if things are, are going bad, maybe that guy gets thrown in. I mean, his situation isn't as stable. Taylor Heineke? Yeah, Taylor Heineke. His situation isn't as stable, I think, as people are giving it credit for. And that always scares me in Dynasty. Uh, I think you want to look for wide receivers that are drafted this high to have a stable situation or at least a situation where you can assume similar production that they had the year before. And I think Terry McLaurin's situation is in flux. And I love him as a player, but I'm concerned. So that's why I have him at 13. Um, Kyle, you're highest on him. What do you got to say about Terry McLaurin? So I think you're right that you channeled, I think, the fantasy heartbeat on Terry McLaurin with Ryan Fitzpatrick coming in. Fitzpatrick's the most likable guy in the league, and everywhere he goes, everyone just wants to pretend that he's going to throw for 4,800 yards and 40 touchdowns, and suddenly that offense is just going to click wherever he goes. And I'm with you that that's probably not the case. I, I don't think Fitzpatrick's ever thrown for 4,000 yards in a season. There's two versions of him, and everyone wants to look at the good version, the one that's thrown for 400 yards and four touchdowns. But he usually follows that up with a, a game for 175 yards and two picks. So I, I don't think the offense is going to be probably to that level, but I think it's going to be better than the Taylor Heineke show, than the Alex Smith show, than the Dwayne Haskins show, the, the whole rotating of bad quarterbacks last year. The defense is good enough that it's going to keep him in games. And the offense is going to get their opportunity. And I think those weapons that you talked about coming in are only going to help McLaurin. Because none of those guys that you just talked about are heavy volume guys. So I'm really not worried about them taking too many targets away from McLaurin. I do think they're going to make the offense as a whole better and present more scoring opportunities. The big knock on McLaurin last year, the reason he really wasn't mentioned among the elite of the elite, like we're talking about him right now, is that he only had four touchdowns. That's that's not very good. But 87 catches and 1,100 yards in an offense that did as poorly as Washington did last year is optimistic that if that offense gets any better because they upgrade at quarterback, they upgrade the supporting cast around him, that offense gets better. McLaurin should still be at the head of it, and I think he's the biggest beneficiary. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you, but um, Devin, you're, you're kind of in the middle there. I mean, I have him at 13, Kyle has him at 8, and you're right in the, there in the middle at 11. So I'm assuming you have a little bit of concern, but also kind of see Devin's side. So so kind of highlight quickly, what what, what are the the highest highs and the lowest lows for Terry McLaren? Uh Yeah, Kyle pretty much hit all these points I like pretty much wanted to hit on Terry McLaurin, so... 
I'll just say in short, like uh, Fitzpatrick brings in uh, an unknown element of like you'll get a week where Fitzpatrick, or you'll get a handful of weeks where Fitzpatrick is just a solid quarterback, and McLaurin's getting 10 targets with seven catches, 100 yards, and hopefully a touchdown because he's not a touchdown guy, it seems like, so far. Um, McLaurin should benefit from an, the offense being a little more quote-unquote dynamic because I think Logan Thomas is good. I think they have two good running backs. I think they have some solid receivers. I think the re- football team is going to be a lot better overall um, in terms of offense and defense. So I would think McLaurin benefits it. He's the same draft class as A.J. Brown and, D- and D.K. Metcalf. So he's got that young, ripe age. I think he's, his talent, his route tree is, is better than D.K. Metcalf's right now. When, and when it comes to that draft class, I think he's right behind A.J. Brown in terms of talent and what he can do as a wide receiver. Um, I'm, I, I believe in everything he can do on the football field. It just, hopefully it translates to what, Washington brought in on offense and he can project it on the field again the next year to prove everybody like yeah I'm Terry McLaurin I'm having some random people throw me the football the last three years I've been in the league and I can still do this sort of thing all right I think we all kind of got our little concerns out about Terry McLaurin but the fact of the matter is he's our 10th ranked wide receiver and I don't necessarily disagree with that. If you're taking him as the 10th overall receiver in a draft, I think you're getting a great player who's still pretty young. He's only, what, 25 years old. So uh, good player there. Let's move on to our number 11 guy. Number 11. And that's DJ Moore. Kyle, you're the lowest on him at 14. Devin, you have him at 10, and I'm just ahead of you at 9. Uh, Kyle, you have him at 14, just outside wide receiver one territory. Uh, what do you got to say about DJ Moore? I'll try to keep this one a little shorter, but I'm going to terrify the DJ Moore fantasy community in one sentence. What if this is the real DJ Moore? We've been waiting for three years now. He's going into his fourth year of the season for that breakout from DJ Moore where he lives up to his potential. All the stars align. He scores more than four touchdowns. His catches and targets, the offense, it all comes together. What if it doesn't? We're putting all our hopes into Sam Darnold now to be that quarterback to unlock him. If it's not Sam Darnold, that means we're waiting another year to find out who it is. I just think there's a less than 0% chance that maybe this is DJ Moore. Yeah, that's the scary part. I mean, you could have just scared me by saying Sam Darnold, and I would have been shivering. (laughs) Yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) Sam Darnold sucks. He really does. But uh, DJ Moore, I think, is a just – I. I love his talent. I love everything that he brings to the table on his own. I mean, six foot, two ten. He's only twenty four years old. You look at his player profile page, and it's like skyscrapers in his workout metrics. Everything is in the ninetieth, eightieth, seventieth percentile. Um, he brings everything that needs to be brought to be a wide receiver one in, in football and in fantasy. And with Joe Brady and uh, the head coach, I'm forgetting his name there. Um, I believe that they know how to use Matt Rule. their talent. Yeah, Matt Rule. I believe they know how to use his talent um, and guys similar to him the right way. It's just a matter of getting their quarterback figured out. But they just committed themselves to, to Sam Darnold for two years. So, I mean, I, I'm the highest on him at nine, and I'm kind of scaring myself out of it. But I, I still really believe in his talent and the player he is. And – uh I think it's more of a projection than anything to have him as high as I have him, and I think that's flawed process. So I'll probably be moving him down a bit. But uh, there you go, Kyle. You got a win. You got a W in the column there. Huzzah. Uh, I'll keep it really short too. Uh, 
Moore's biggest flaw right now in the NFL is he doesn't score touchdowns. He hasn't scored four t- more than four touchdowns in any of the three years he's been in the league. But last year he was fifth in deep yards with 18.1 in third and uh, in his third year, and he finished uh, with a career high receiving yards um, last year. I think it just it kind of it depends on Sam Darnold. I think Matt Rule is a great coordinator for what uh, sorry great head coach for what the Panthers are doing on offense. Um, he scored he eclipsed more than. 80, uh, 90 receiving yards in eight games last year, which he's only one of our one of five wide receivers to do that. I think he can do that again next year and be better than it. It's just it seems like touchdowns are really his biggest lack. Kind of like we just talked about Terry McLaurin, he doesn't score touchdowns. If DJ Moore can get in the end zone like seven to eight times, like doubles his his uh, end zone output, you're really gonna look at a, a guy that you get I, what we're talking about for dynasty rankings. The a guy who gets put up with the numbers, he gets eight touchdowns. That's that's fantastic. So it's kind of like a speculation, like you guys said, with Sam Darnold in the quarterback situation. If Darnold is just average, like Teddy was, and he scores seven touchdowns, then you're like, oh, awesome year for my dynasty receiver. Yeah, it's starting to get to the point now uh, in our rankings where we're at you know, the end of wide receiver one, and as deep as the wide receiver group is, you start to to get some some common concerns whether the situation is is sketchy or the projection can go one of two ways one being absolutely phenomenal and the other one being you know a steady headache on your dynasty team so let's move into number 12 number 12 and that is Jamar Chase he is me and Kyle's 10th ranked wide receiver and Devin's 15th ranked wide receiver so Devin you're slightly lower than us on him Five spots to be exact. What do you have to say about Jamar Chase? I think he is absolutely elite, and what he's bringing into the NFL is some awesome upside with already the connection with Joe Burrow. The reason he's 15 for me is just simply because I like guys like Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, Calvin Ridley more than him right now. It's just, it's not even like, oh, an unknown rookie. Ooh, what are we going to do with this guy? I think he's fantastic, and I think he will be fantastic. I just really like Chris Godwin's situation with Michael, uh, Mike Mike Evans and Tom Brady. They just won the Super Bowl. Calvin Ridley is going to be the clear-cut WR1 in Atlanta now, and he's gotten better every single year. Al Robinson, with poor quarterback play, was a stud in fantasy in the last three to four years. His whole career, actually, minus his torn ACL. So you're just upgrading, hopefully, Robinson's quarterback play with either Dalton or Justin Fields. I just like those guys better right now. It's not a Jamar Chase, I don't believe in his talent thing. It's just, I like these handful of guys in May, almost June, right now, more than like Jamar Chase. I think he's going to come into the NFL. He's going to not replace what A.J. Green did, but you're you're looking at a solid rookie season and a solid second year, a solid third year, because I think Joe Burrow is that franchise guy. It's um it's nothing to do with his talent. I'm just lower on him because the guys I have ranked above him, I just love their situations right now way more than I like Jamar Chase's. And I know the age is a factor with some of the guys we have ranked in our top four, as you and me, Brett, have Hopkins lower and Diggs, Diggs is 28-ish. Um, and we have the young guys. We have A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Justin Jefferson ranked in our top fives. That's why, so it's like kind of, it's like, like the complete opposite of what I have for Jamar Chase. It's not a talent thing. It's not an age thing. I just like everybody else's situation right now 
more than Jamar Chase. I do think Jamar Chase can be a stud, but the only reason Chase is lower is because I just love everybody else more than him right now. That's that's really it. Gotcha. Devin, you got, or uh, Kyle, you have anything to say about Jamar Chase? I mean, me and you have him both ranked at, at number 10. Uh, I think I have him at 10 because he's a rookie, and we haven't seen him step foot on a field in the NFL. I mean, we haven't seen him play a snap, snap since 2019. And uh, not to say that's a problem, but um, I just remember Nikhil Harry and how much hype and, and faith I had in him, and he busted. So as good of a prospect as Jamar Chase is, still haven't seen anything from him in the NFL. And uh, no matter how good of a value as we think we are, we have to see it. And uh, we just haven't seen it yet um, from Jamar Chase. And that's why I have him uh, slightly lower than I think a lot of people would take him. Um, but number 10 is still fairly aggressive, in my opinion. Kyle, what do you got? Yeah, I pretty much agree. I don't have a whole lot to say there. He's a rookie, so still very unknown. But it's a young offense. Should be getting better. If it does get better, he should be at the head of it. So get in early. And that'll do it for our top 12 dynasty wide receivers. And uh, let me recap it here. We got Tyreek Hill, number one, A.J. Brown, number two, Devontae Adams, number three, D.K. Metcalf, number four, Justin Jefferson, number five, Nuke Hopkins at number six, Stephon Diggs at seven, C.D. Lamb at eight, Michael Thomas at nine, Terry McLaurin at ten, D.J. Moore at 11, and Jamar Chase at 12. And now let's move on to our final segment of the day, our redraft sleeper wide receivers. Kyle, who's your first sleeper and why? So there's going to be a common theme with my wide receiver sleepers, and it almost matches my dynasty rankings, is that I'm looking at the elder statesmen who I think still have value in redraft fantasy football. And number one I'm going with is Antonio Brown. He's being drafted right now as wide receiver 47. But hey, guys, I don't know if you heard, he just passed his physical. Big deal. So he's going to be playing with Tom Brady, playing with that Super Bowl winning offense in if he continues where he left off last year, he's going to be fantasy relevant. Right now, he's going as, like I said, uh, WR 47. So he's he's getting drafted in the double-digit rounds if he's getting drafted at all. He started off a little bit slow, but he only had one game that really hurt you, and that was against Kansas City Week 12. But he had a lot of good seasons. He had a lot of good games. In, in, eight, uh, in eight games, he had 483 through the air. And a couple of touchdowns. You extrapolate that over a whole season. We're talking about about a 900-yard, four-touchdown season. That, that's a lot better than WR47. That's a guy who's who's fine to rotate in and out of your lineup as you need. And you can steal him super late. So I'm a big fan of Antonio Brown and where he's going in redraft this year. All right, that's enough from you, Kyle. Devin, who is your first redraft sleeper? Uh, I will talk about Darnell Mooney first. Um, oh, Kyle's going to rip his hair out. I was going to say, I know Kyle's really low on Darnell Mooney. Uh, his separation yards last year was one point per one point seven seven yards per target with the separation. Now he targets last year six hundred three one yards, four touchdowns. Uh, he'll have a larger role with better quarterback play next year. I think it's huge. He averaged about six targets per game. Um, I just love what Darmel Darmel Mooney does, and it was his rookie year, late round draft pick. I just think for where he goes, you're talking about a. WR3 flex play when you need him kind of guy, uh, kind of like Antonio Brown. You should see his numbers just increase. His targets were 98 last year with with freaking 
Um, Mitch Trubisky. I couldn't even say his name because he's, he's just that bad. I just forgot who the hell he was. You have Justin Fields next year. Your target should be about 110. So it means your reception should be about 70 to 80. You're getting close to 1,000 yards. You're getting close to five to six touchdowns. Darnell Mooney should be a fantastic WR3 flex play for everybody next year. I think he's that talented. Kyle, rebuttal? 5'11", 174. <laughs> no, if you had Darnell Mooney last year, you want to talk him, talk about him as a wide receiver three or flex play? He sucked last year. All right, he, he got counting stats because he ended up being the number two receiver on the Bears, and good for him. But he broke 70 yards all of once. He had zero multi-touchdown games. He's The kid's not good, and there's a good chance with his frame that he's not playing 16 games again. So I'm out. You're out even at wide receiver 65? I'll, get, I'll take Antonio Brown or the next guy I'm going to talk about before I take him. Roger. All right, I'm going to give my first redraft sleeper wide receiver, and that's Michael Pittman. He's going at wide receiver 46, and I think we can't forget about what we thought about Michael Pittman coming in as a rookie. Um Real big guy, he's 6'4", 220, and he plays for the Colts, but that was with Phillip Rivers. Now you have Carson Wentz, and if you know anything about Carson Wentz, he's his best when he's targeting uh, taller, more physical wide receivers, uh, guys that he trusts to make a play on the ball. Uh, in the past, that was Alshon Jeffrey, uh, not dissimilar in terms of his build to Michael Pittman, and uh, I think Michael Pittman has the opportunity to be the one on a good football team. And I think that's totally worth a, a shot. And, uh, I mean, he really didn't get going uh, snap count-wise until, like, week nine last year. And he, he saw seven, eight, three, nine, five, five, six targets in multiple different weeks. Um, and we all know that targets are a, uh, a skilled stat. You don't just get targets. You have to get open. And uh, I think Carson Wentz would like to throw to a guy like this. And, I mean, all he has to go against is, is T.Y. Hilton, who's oft injured, and Paris Campbell, who's uh, – I'm just surprised anybody mentions Paris Campbell at this point. Um, so, totally think he's worth a shot in redraft, uh, especially as late as he's going. I was totally with you until your last couple points where, one, you called T.Y. Hilton off injured. He's only missed more than two games once. Every other game, every other season, it's 14, 15, 16 games. And two is downplaying Paris Campbell. Don't take his name in vain. He's outstanding. He is off injured. So I think that maybe you just got your wires crossed a little bit there. But it's a perfect segue into my next sleeper, which is who's going three picks later, the other wide receiver in that indie off indie offense, and that's T.Y. Hilton at WR49. I like the value. I think everything that you said about Pittman for the most part, other than maybe the big body point about Wentz, can also hold true to Hilton. I know he's up there in age, which is why he's going late. I just think WR 49 is too late. This guy still has boom potential. And if the offense clicks a little bit more without Phillip check down rivers under center and Carson does get comfortable, he airs the ball out a bit, a lot more that T Y Hilton's going to see his fair share of those. And he's going to be worth that flex play for you. So T Y Hilton being severely underdrafted at WR 49 deserves to be rostered in every league. I know you got a bad taste in your mouth from last year, but watch how the offense changes. If it doesn't look like it's going to be clicking after a couple weeks, cut them loose. But if it does start clicking, you're going to be glad that you picked this guy up in your late rounds. I'm, I'm just scared of T.Y. Hilton, to be honest with you. I'm just afraid that he's busted. He's going to start getting injured more. It's going to be a sad end to a, a fantastic career like you see with a lot of wide receivers. And uh, I think I would just rather take a shot on a younger guy, a guy that has untapped potential as opposed to trying to hold on to to previous success. But I understand. I mean, that late, I get it. 
So, Devin, give me your last redraft sleeper. My last redraft sleeper is Mikol Hardman, um, a name that almost everybody in the fantasy community knows. There's no more Sammy Watkins there next year. He is the clear-cut, to me, WR2, unless you're afraid of uh, Mr. Brevin Pringle. Uh, but with uh, Travis Kelsey, Patrick Mahomes, Tyreek Hill, having uh, Mikol Hardman as your WR2 in that offense, I mean... To me, there's no way this guy doesn't have between 700 and 800 yards and at least six touchdowns next year. I just think that team is too dynamic. That offense is too dynamic. If this guy is the WR2 all season in one of the best, if not the best, offenses in football, and he's going right around Darnell Mooney's redraft rate, like, how are you not rostering this guy? How is this guy not your flex at least every single week? Uh for how late Darnell Mooney go, or sorry, Michael Hardman goes, I, I, I just that doesn't make any sense to me. Like he's should be on everybody's fantasy roster because he's going to have nearly a thousand yards and at least six touchdowns. Yeah, and he's going at uh, sixty-one. I think it's worth a shot. I mean, anybody in Kansas City to me is usually worth a shot that late. So my final redraft sleeper wide receiver is Gabriel Davis. So. I, uh, I went off talking about Stephon Diggs and how much I loved him. Uh, Gabriel Davis came in as a rookie and produced. I mean, it's it's nothing to write home about, but he had some good games in an offense that I think is going to continue to be um, sought after when it comes to fantasy, trying to get assets in that offense. I mean, not to talk about any running backs here, but I, I'm even higher on the running backs, I think, than most people um, because I like that offense so much. And, and I think Gabriel Davis is a young player. Um, if teams start to really try to uh, dedicate assets to stopping Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis can be the number two guy there. And if Josh Allen is what we think he is, uh, you'd want to have the number two in that offense. And he's going at 64 in uh, 64 uh, wide receiver 64 in draft. So, so I think he's totally worth a shot. Um, kind of in the vein of a Miko Hardman, where you want the the number two guy in a good offense uh, who's who's young and, and fairly quick. So, I like Gabe Davis. Yeah, seven touchdowns as a rookie is really impressive. 599 through the airs, nothing to scoff at either. I think he had a heck of a season. It should be the number two. And if the Bills offense doesn't take that big step back like I think, I think Gabriel Davis may be the reason for that. He's very talented going into his second year. Look for him to take that step up. Big fan. That is it. That's all we got. Nothing left. Episode five now, right? It's episode five in the books. Something like that. Something, yeah. We're around there. It's uh, it's coming together here, boys. It's coming together. Feel pretty good about we're it. We're good at coming together. <laughs> we're, we're good. God. We're good at coming together. It's no just a big. Comments. Oh hey, Jesus. Come on. <laughs> no, no. Oh boy. For this one, I got nothing. You got nothing. Well, why don't you tell the people about our uh, social medias? Okay, everybody, check out our Twitter. It's pretty easy, at FFlexecution, so it's FFlexecutions. My my Twitter is at DSpawn388. I tweet off that quite often about sports, music lyrics, about life, whatever. Give me a follow, and give our Twitter handle a follow. Again, that is at FFlexecution. We're going to be way more active on that. The football season's coming up. I'm tweeting out the podcast. I'm going to tweet out some polls once we get closer to the year. Redraft stuff, FanDuel stuff. Whatever you guys want, it's coming. Don't worry. Huzzah, hit me up, FF, Master Debater. And I am uh, unfindable. Can't find me. <laughs> Social media-less. Social media-less. I'm your host and host only. 
All right, boys. Say goodbye to the people. Goodbye to the people. Oh, the breakups on TBS. I know how I'm spending my evening. Oh, man. I can't take credit. It's about the little digital guys out there with the big hearts. Does it feel good to be a champion? Yeah. Yeah, it feels good to be a champion. <laughs> Everybody, if you, uh, we record this over Memorial Day weekend, I can't talk. Hopefully you enjoyed your Memorial Day weekend. Yeah, I had a nice long weekend. The Bucks won in four. Hopefully you're watching some NBA playoff basketball or NHL playoffs because that stuff is lit. So enjoy your weekend. Thanks for listening. All right. Peace and love. Come, come. With the kick drum. Come, come. Shut up. With the kick drum. Peace. And Gary on the kick drum. Come, come. On the kick drum. Come, come. That's Gary. Come, come with the kick drum. Come. Come, come with the kick drum. Gary on the kick drum. Come, come. That's Gary on the kick drum. Go. And Gary in the house. Come, come. Come, come. Let's